Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Um, I'm joined in the studio today by artist Jody Travis Thompson of Fayetteville and Eva Madison, an attorney with the Littler Mendelssohn PC office in Fayetteville. Littler Mendelssohn is an international law firm based out of San Francisco. Thank you both for being here today. Thanks yeah, for having thank us. Thank you. Um, we have a pretty exciting podcast and topic today as we're talking about diversity and how art can contribute to that conversation and break down barriers. Um, in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about Jody's work as an artist, as well as some of the barriers that exist for the region's LB LGBTQ plus community. Jody, why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I'm from Sulphur, Louisiana, um, and uh, spent 20 years out in New York and New Jersey on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. And then moved here for graduate school because I wanted a new experience with, uh, with, with painting and making. And uh, yeah, decided the best way to do that would be to go back to grad school. All right. And you're studying at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville? Yes, I graduated in the spring. Okay, great, great. Well, what can you tell us about your art? Well, it was, I was trained in very traditional methods, Italian Renaissance portraiture and figurative work. Um, uh, and really just loved realism and observation. Um, but then the work is, has uh, changed. I wanted a new experience, so I came out here and, and started exploring abstraction and uh, just started working really large and, and looked and saw, uh, tried to see an experiment with different materials and see how that could translate and sort of uh, change how perception can change based on the viewer's proximity to the work and sort of exploring memory and perception and how that changes over time and with age. Okay. And, and what form of art do you work in? Is it painting, sculpture? Painting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Painting. Uh, I had explored some sculpture and the paintings do become quite three-dimensional, but yeah, I'm a painter <laughs> <laughs> through and through. Yeah. All right. Eva, what can you tell me about your work and specialization as an attorney? So our firm represents um, exclusively management in employment matters. So we're an international law firm, like you said, with um, over a thousand lawyers, and I get the benefit of being one of the two in Fayetteville. And we help employers with all kinds of employment issues, and they range from discrimination matters to harassment to wage an hour to family leave, benefits issues, all kinds of employment issues where we would, you know, an employer would need legal advice. Okay. And um, Jody, um, how is your um, journey as a gay man reflected in your work? Well, it, uh, it's reflected in my work. Uh, um, I mean, my own experience as a gay man, I don't necessarily register <laughs> as gay um, to just everyday uh, sort of hedge like uh, hegemonic society. I mean, I, it just doesn't register for people. Uh, so, uh, I am an, I am openly gay. Um, I am out in my life and every part of my life. Uh, but it sort of takes people aback a little bit whenever they find out I'm gay and they're like, Oh, you don't, you don't seem gay. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and you know, in, in the gay community, and I'm speaking specifically to, to gay men, uh, you know, out in New York, uh, my friends out there used to think that I wasn't gay enough or didn't look gay enough, whatever that, whatever that means. And so the work, it, the way that translates into the work is that whole idea of, you know, shifting like perception and what, what does perception mean? 
uh, it, it works into it with the combination of abstraction and realism and sort of questioning abstract space and, and including Trump Loy realism sort of make the, the viewer question what they're seeing and how they're seeing it. Uh, so that's that's like the elevator answer about like how, you know, my experience as a gay man of, of just how I how I personally am perceived uh, from the gay community, from the straight community uh, and how those perceptions change uh, when they find out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, perception is key to that, I think. And there's there's a lot of diversity that exists even within mm. that community as well. Is sure. that correct? It is. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, there, there's always, you know, there, there's the funny tags about, you know, uh, little titles that we give ourselves to physically describe other gay men, uh, as far as bears or twinks or wolves or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and so there's this classification that starts to happen of, of trying to nail it down of like, what are you within this sort of subset community? And, and where does that stem from, do you think? Is there a level still trying to figure out within the community as well identity? Mm, that is a good question. Uh, constantly trying to sort of quantify identity, I think, is it, for me and in, in my own views of how I see it. Uh, and even within the broader uh, LGBTQ plus community, uh, you know, you have trans people, you have gender neutral, you have gender fluid, you have lesbians, you have bi, you have all these different sort of labels that uh, within our community that, that people start needing to find some solid ground to stand on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then uh, thank you for giving us that information and helping us to have a greater understanding. We Absolutely. appreciate that. Yeah. Eva, what can you share with us about some of the legal barriers that exist for this community? Well, in Arkansas, there's not very much protection, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you start when you talk about employment discrimination laws and you start talking sort of at the federal level, there's no protection for the LGBTQ community um, in federal law. There are some interpretations of gender discrimination protections that have been extended, but it kind of depends on the court, but it depends on the facts. And, you know, what Jody was talking about, like where you find yourself classification-wise, like where you put yourself, that can matter because... Um, sex stereotyping can be a basis for discrimination, but not all discrimination against members of the LGBTQ community are gender stereotyping. You know, it's just like he says, people don't think he's gay or people don't, you know, you don't think, yeah. people don't think you belong to a certain classification. All those stereotypes blend in. And so the fact that at the federal level, there's no protection for the classification is a problem. And then what you end up with is states and localities and municipalities have started adding in protection. But so you have this patchwork of legislation across the, the country where you might live in a state where there's protection, you might not, you might live in a city that has protection, you might not. Um, and in Arkansas, there's nothing at the state level and there's nothing at the local level either. So uh, a member of the LGBTQ community in Arkansas really finds themselves with no protections, um, not in housing, not right. in employment, nothing. Um, there may be a basis to kind of bootstrap this argument on at the federal level, uh, but it's pretty limited for people here in Arkansas, which is a shame. So what does that mean for the community when it comes to housing and workplace rights? I mean, can they just be denied simply because someone doesn't agree with their lifestyle? Yes. Mm, yeah. 
Have you ever encountered anything like that, Jody? Um, I have not, no. Oh, good. Uh, but, it, you know, again, coming as a white man who assimilates, like, can just walk down the street and people assume that I'm straight, um, I, I, I come from a very privileged air point at like I, that automatically just as a white man places me you know in a place from a place of privilege um but you know looking at you know comparing my experience with uh, our community on the east coast in new york and new jersey it's quite a different experience to the queer people here that i've met uh gender fluid gender neutral trans uh obvious like very uh, obvious what, what straight society would think is obviously a gay man or a lesbian like the experience that they have here is just it has been has been unbelievable. I mean, moving back here was quite I mean, I'm from the Louisiana, but having been out there for so many years and coming back here, it was quite a culture shock. In what way? Um, you know, just watching uh one of my my studio mate, uh Hannah McBroom was a trans is a is a trans woman and and you know, listening to her experience just trying to walk around uh, just trying to walk around or order food, uh, you know, different things like that. Uh, other, you know, queer friends of mine, uh, just looking at their experience of like going to, you know, being worried about applying for uh, a new apartment, uh, trying to get housing and, and, you know, either getting the housing or not getting the housing. But for me, it's more important watching and listening to them talk about the fears and the the emotion just leading up to going to try to get an interview to get an apartment. Uh, there's a whole lot of like meditation that has to happen, a <laughs> whole lot of preparation just emotionally just to go do something that, you know, other people just take for granted, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so how are these challenges in the community um, able to be addressed through art? Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think that art has the ability to uh, give, to inform, first of all. Um, every, like, just regular people who may not, uh, who are not artists, but love to look at art. Uh, when you walk into a space where there's something hanging on a wall or sitting on a floor in a gallery or in, or in some sort of event space like that, uh, I think that people uh, in general are a lot more open to observing and learning uh, through art rather than uh, being preached at by an individual. You know what I mean? By being told by another person, like, this is how you need to think and feel. Art has the ability to sort of subvert that and just be like, here it is. here's what I'm presenting. Take with it what you will. They get to have a really an individual experience with, what, with whatever's being spoken about in the work. Well, and I understand you're working on a series of pieces right now, too, mm. that involve identity and, and sure. sort of address this um, concept as well as far as building awareness. Can you share a little yeah. bit about that for us? Sure. I'm, I'm working on a series of, of um, very highly rendered and realistic black and white um, still life paintings. And the still life paintings have 
objects that belong to me, toys from when I was a kid. Um, specifically, there's one of the some of the toys that I love the most are they're called GoBots. They were like the poor man's transformers when I was a kid in the '80s. Um, and these things are fascinating to me because regardless of whether you know they change from a car into a robot, but ra- regardless of what form they're in, they are constantly both of those things. Uh, including little toys like that, uh, including a lot of prisms and and uh, glass cubes and, and arranging it in such a way that it shifts light to where it's a very realistic painting, but aspects of it become really abstract just because of the nature of the objects being used. But everything in there um, shifts shifts how you're seeing and shifts and constantly questioning, like, what am I seeing? Uh, and even though it's extremely realistic, uh, not really registering right out of the gate what it is. So there is some digging that's required of the viewers. So uh, uh, they're in black and white, so you know uh, they place it in this more emotional context, uh, in this more abstracted idea. But I do really want the viewer, I'm placing a lot of responsibility on the viewer to stop uh, to not just be able to glance at these paintings and just get the idea, but you really kind of have to sit with them and kind of explore them and, and give them some of your attention. Right, so, so there's an effort, a level of effort sure, required in sure. observing the art. Yeah. Well, Which is the same way getting to know a, another person, you know what I mean? Like yeah. sort of do, doing some digging and really asking questions. And the most important thing is listening. Yeah, yeah so when we're talking about effort... Um, I kind of hope you could talk to us a little bit about uh, history here a little bit. As I understand it, we haven't had a lot of recent advances towards civil rights as a nation. Not really, no. No. Hmm. So what can you share with us as to where we're at right now? And we'll dig a little bit further into that as to where we might go in the future. So, you know, Title VII was the landmark Civil Rights Act passed in 1964 that was effectively the the first um, protection for religion, gender, race, uh, national origin, and color. And of course, discrimination in the 60s was pretty prevalent. Um, And so you you sort of had this landmark legislation come along, but society wasn't quite there yet. And so, uh, you know, talking about the law doesn't change minds, it's gradual. And so you have, if you look back at the cases in the 60s, they're overt discrimination. You know, they're women can't get a job here or black people need not apply. It was, you know, very much discrimination and the law came in to change that. Um, The Age Discrimination and Employment Act came along, added protections for those 40 and over. And then you had the Americans with Disabilities Act in 1990 that provided protection for those who were disabled. You had some revisions to Title VII in 91. And so, but since then, really, it's been the, the courts evolving things and changing things. And so we've had some Supreme Court decisions that have expanded the sex stereotyping issue where you can take that gender category in Title VII and maybe go for some sex stereotyping stuff. But, you know, that might not apply to Jody because people don't look at him and, and think he's, a, you know, a certain type of person necessarily. Um, and then you had a sexual harassment case where the Supreme Court said same-sex harassment was actionable because there was this notion that... Um, sexual harassment to be actionable had to be based on like sex the act instead of sex the gender and so you had uh, we talked about this before there was an oil rig out in the gulf and there were a bunch of men working out there and there was one who was targeted by the other men 
in really very abusive sexual terms. And that question went up to the Supreme Court and it was, can, can you pursue that? Can a man being harassed by another man based on his gender, is that really actionable? And the Supreme Court said, yes, it is, because at it, it, it its heart, it's about whether it's about sex. But then you sort of look at, well, what if it's about sexual orientation, if it's not about sex? Um, and that's where the gap is. And that's where we are now. And for many years now, Congress has at least started the effort to add that, um, but it hasn't gotten there. And I think the latest is the Equality Act was, was introduced in this session of Congress. It's passed the House, and then it's just stuck. Um, but it would provide protection for sexual orientation and gender identity, and it would cover more than just employment. It would co- cover um, housing, um, but it's just stalled, which is the way a lot of things in Washington are these days. <laughs> <laughs> right, so it, we're making progress. It sounds like it's a yeah. little slow, but we're making progress. Um now, what about at the state level? You're saying that essentially what we have here in Arkansas mirrors Title Seven yeah. at the national level, mm-hmm. but there are states who have effectively um, created systems in which rights for the LGBTQ community are protected. Right. Very much right. so. So, where do we need to go? What can we do as a state? Well, so Arkansas was a little slow in the civil rights movement. We were um, one of two remaining states, I think, that didn't have um, its own civil rights statute. It was Arkansas and Mississippi. <laughs> Arkansas remedied that in 1993, which in some respects seems like a long time ago, but then really isn't in the civil rights movement. And so they passed the Civil Rights Act that provided those same protections that are in Title VII, as well as disability, not age, um, not quite there yet, but there's this that gap. Um, I know that there's been an effort in some recent sessions to add sexual orientation and gender identity. They've not been successful. Um, and so right now there's that gap at the state level. And then I think where municipalities were trying to come in, like the city of Fayetteville, to add that protection, that got shut down by the legislature. They actually said, you can't do that. You can't go greater than what state law is. And the city of Fayetteville challenged that all the way up to the Arkansas Supreme Court. And the Arkansas Supreme Court agreed with the legislature. And so even though Fayetteville attempted, as well as some other communities in the city in the state, attempted to provide that little patchwork, that pocket of protection, um, it was not successful through the courts. So so what do we as a community do to affect change? Other than going to a museum and enjoying Jody's fabulous artwork right. and, <laughs> and maybe being more informed with our mind than our eyes, right? What can we do to affect change at a state and regional level? Well, I think in the current Arkansas legislature, that's challenging, but I think as we evolve, you you can take the example of um, same-sex marriage in Arkansas and where that evolution has occurred. And, you know, 20 years ago, there were people that I knew and, and thought highly of that were very opposed. You know, you see, like, politicians at the federal level who've really, through the course of their life, evolved over their views of same-sex marriage. Um, but Arkansas had the constitutional amendment that said no same-sex marriage and then I think as really the population you know young people are, are more tolerant of things and more accepting and so as 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 we evolve as a society things get to be more accepted and so where 20 years ago people said no way to same-sex marriage I think you know a decade passed people were a little bit more accepting and then we saw the the challenges in courts to that, and we had a judge in Little Rock who struck down Arkansas's amendment, um, allowed same-sex marriage, and then you had the U.S. Supreme Court ultimately decide the issue. 
And, and that's, that's a very remarkable accomplishment because um, people who'd been together forever and had been legally denied the benefits of marriage were able to get married and able to you know, have children together and both be parents and obtain the benefits of, of marriage through taxes, property transfers, things like that. Um, and that's just been in the past five years. So that, that's remarkable. And I think as we see little things like that chip away, I think society becomes more accepting, but it's an evolution. Um, and just listening to Jody talk, I think the issue with art, though, is that it, it just expands your horizons. It just allows you to see different things and be exposed to new things. If we all live in our little world and don't see new things ever, we're never going to be accepting of those things. Um, and that's why you see over the course of you know two decades in Arkansas that hearts and minds have changed. Yeah. Not all, but right. <laughs> some. Um, well, and Jody, you've shared with me uh, that you've seen some progress as far as the LGBTQ plus population um, being embraced over the community over the course of your life, right? I mean, sure. the reality in Northwest Arkansas may not be what you had hoped it would be when you first moved here, mm. but the reality for the LGBTQ plus community in the United States is becoming very different from what it was when you were growing oh, up. Absolutely. What can you share with us about that? <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, it... Uh... You know, so I think back in the, you know, in the 80s, uh, I just think that, you know, visibility, when I think about in the 80s, uh, you know, when, when the AIDS crisis began, uh, uh, where I was at in Louisiana, I don't remember hearing anything about it. Uh, it wasn't until the, the 90s when I was in school, uh, whenever, uh, I believe we had, we had a, uh, our university uh, somehow I heard about there was a, a candlelight vigil for Ryan White in the 90s. Um, and uh, that was really the first time that, that AIDS and HIV really became, was on my radar. I wasn't, I wasn't out at the time, uh, but I definitely had, had already started exploring. Um, and so, you know, when I think about how visual, you know, so fast forward from that moment to today, just uh, representation of this community uh, on television, in ads. Uh, you know, uh, I remember sitting there and listening to Barack Obama's uh, speak when he first got elected. And he said, you know, the, look, and I, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something about, you know, expand, like protecting the rights of people regardless of age. Uh, gender, and, and he said the words sexual orientation. Uh, and I just remember sitting in my kitchen in New Jersey, and I'm getting the chills just thinking about it, being like, a president just said that. Uh, and that was really like, I had sort of seen like on television and sort of a more of a presence just being like uh, coming out, but to hear that was, was amazing to me. And that's really the first time that I thought things m might change. Uh, and it, it was just, it was amazing, um, you know, uh, just looking at, the, the main thing for me is just looking at like a media presence where it's not, uh, it's, it, you know, there's still a long way to go in television and movies. But I think that, uh, I like what Eva was talking about earlier, I think that, you know, to get this, uh, to have a, a, a realistic expectation of change. Uh, I do love whenever big jumps happen. Um, but I know that speaking to a lot, especially sort of my younger friends in the community that get really sort of gung-ho and just get really angry that change isn't happening fast enough. 
uh, I think that it's important to sort of take a breath and, and sort of recognize within the context of this system that we live in. That's, uh, you know, I think when we spoke earlier, you know, uh, this system uh, is not is not broken and doesn't need to be fixed. I think the system that was built on uh, the a system of government and some and in our society that was built on slavery basically it was built on the back of slaves this system is not broken it's performing exactly how it was originally intended uh, so you know you talk you know I talk a lot of to, to, to some people in my community and it's not about fixing this system I don't think it can be fixed I think it's about slowly replacing it um, and slowly looking at the parts that that are working the way they were originally designed and seeing that those systems, maybe those parts don't function uh, the way that we need them to and coming up with new parts to the system. Well, and how does art and the creative community continue to keep that momentum toward change going? Uh, starting conversations, really. Um, you know, as an artist, uh, I think more so than a person screaming with a you know a placard on the corner. Uh, some people be like, "Oh, that person's just angry, or they're just crazy, or whatever." I think artists we have the opportunity uh, to to start intelligently looking at at a certain topic, at a certain aspect of what we're talking about, making work about it, thinking about it, uh, spreading that out, putting it up, and sort of. Uh, in small pockets, you know, some artists are big rock stars and they can reach a huge audience, especially like on social media. Um, but I think that uh, on a local level, I think it's really important for artists uh, in our community to make stuff about the about um, equal rights, to make stuff about change, and and whether it be very blatant uh, and very sort of in your face visually. Um, I think it's just as important to make work that starts to subvert uh, and starts to like where, where the work that is like very blatant and sort of loud about uh, the LGBTQ plus community uh, to make work that sort of starts working at underneath the foundation of some of these old ideas that that just shouldn't be pushed on to the rest of us and start to work at those foundations sort of eat out quietly from underneath that sounds really like spy talk or whatever <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, change yeah. begins from within or sure. the, the darkest places right sure typically the bright areas in the world don't need to change hmm. right because they're healthy they're right. happy so what about out beyond um the artist community eva what can we be doing as citizens to help affect change and encourage a different community as as it continues to grow and develop within Northwest Arkansas? Well, I do think we have to focus on legislation changes. Um, just like the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was implemented at a time when views were certainly not in line with it. I think that's sort of, it, it's like marriage, same-sex marriage being legalized. Not everybody was a fan, but yeah. it's it's there. And, and as it becomes a normal part of society, it becomes to be more accepted. Um, I think that the Arkansas Civil Rights Act should be expanded to add protection for sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, I know even you can get into a debate about what are the categories that need to be included. I think most of the laws have added those two categories and feel like that's a, a really good start. Um, I, I wish cities like Fayetteville could do protection. 
Um, but because of this concept of our cities not having home rule, their ability to that is pretty limited. So it really does fall to the state level to do it. Um, I I think that's going to change require some pretty significant changes in our legislature to have that happen. And so that makes me not as optimistic. On the other hand, though, I think that what we do have going for us is that employers, actually big employers, corporate employers, are more progressive than the law would suggest in these areas. And that's because they're doing business in these places that have the patchwork of laws. And so you can't be doing business in New York City sure. where it, it is a law and then not give those same rights to people in a state or a city where there aren't those laws. And so companies have adopted as part of their non-discrimination statements, protection for the LGBTQ community. And so they're providing it. There's just not that legal mechanism to enforce it if something unfortunate happens. Um, but I've also thought about that, you, know, you think about the Arkansas being the home to a lot of really large corporate employers. Um, and they're, they want to attract people to come to Arkansas that, that want to come here, that think it's a welcoming place. And if you, know, you see what's happened in like places like North Carolina where they propose legislation to ban certain people from going into bathrooms, and what happened? There was a nationwide backlash against North Carolina for that. Um, let's not be that. Um, let's be the progressive state that says, hey, we're, we're with it. We're on top of this. And I think that makes us more attractive for people um, from other places to want to come here, to want to make Arkansas better, to want to make the companies that do business here better. But just from those that those corp corporations that are here, from their standpoint, they're going to have a hard time attracting diverse, talented people if Arkansas is viewed as not a welcoming place. Mm. And so, you know, you can get wrapped up in a lot of things, but I think we can all agree that we want a positive economy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and I think I think a lot of it boils down to that. But then in Arkansas, we're in the South. We get into the religious component of it. Um, and so it, it's not it's not neat and tidy. It's a hard issue. But I think that we we need change at the state level, and I think that not only can private citizens do that, but I think the the, the big corporations in Arkansas can can be productive in that. I think we saw that happen with um, when Arkansas was considering sort of the religious carve out that you know I don't have to sell my wedding cakes to people I don't like or I don't have to do business with these people that I think are different from me and it's because of my religion and Arkansas was kind of going down a dark path initially when they were considering that legislation and there were some big companies that stepped in and said well let's just let's not be North Carolina here and so um, we backed off and the governor stepped in and they passed a more moderate piece of legislation that wasn't quite as as awful um, and you know that's where you see little bits of progress from the people who have a voice stepping in and making a difference. Um, but yeah, I, I think we need change at the state level and I think it's going to be slow, but you see things like that where the religious aspect of it mm. kind of starts to poke up out of the ground a little bit. So what resources are out there uh, for people to gain a little bit more information, maybe be a little bit more active in allowing their voice to be heard at the state level? Well, I mean, at, at a minimum, get to know who your elected officials are. Um, I think that probably most of the elected officials in Fayetteville are, are pretty blue, um, but but certainly find out who we're electing to our state legislature, ask them about their views on these kind of issues. Um, 
I, I think it's really just talking to folks and getting to know folks. But I think too that we have to continue to be continue to be to talk as a community, mm-hmm. talk about these issues because if you leave them in like the darkness and never talk about them, that's where they don't get the attention they need. Um, so I think we have to keep talking about it. But you see a lot of parallels between this civil rights movement and the civil rights movements of the 60s where you had people saying, well, it's against my religion to, for a, a black person and a white person to get married. And, well, is that really a religious basis or not? <laughs> yeah. um, but you see, you see how we went through some of those same issues, um, that the civil rights struggles are, are similar and parallel, and we see that same debate repeating itself. Well, and even to not even, uh, you know, just because gay marriage is legal, uh, you know, I've, I have tons of friends who think, oh, everything's fine now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gay marriage is legal. We're, we're good. You've arrived. Yeah. No. Not, like, <laughs> not at all. You know what I mean? Because somebody like me who's not interested in marriage, getting married. You know what I mean? Uh, and But, you know, even like at, in gay, at Gay Pride, you know, it's a celebration. There was, of course, some people shouting and screaming or whatever. But, um, you know, looking at that and then looking at some of the way that uh, a good friend of mine, Max, who's part of the queer community, standing there with a, a board, not talking to straight people, talking to our community, being like, and with lists of things that are still not okay. Mm-hmm. And sort of just watching how they uh, were just sort of like, oh, just don't look over there. You know what I mean? Like, we're having, this is about, this celebration, this is, everything's great. Everything's not great. It's getting there. Like was talked well, about. Well, I mean, we had just had the Hallmark Channel with it over the weekend, the reversal, oh, yeah. the, the yeah. flip-flop. You know, a, a company wants to air a commercial with two women who are getting married in it, and there's backlash from one group, and they Hallmark pulls the ad, and then they turn around and put it back on. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, that's that's an evolution of all those thoughts just right there in that little weekend issue. Sure. Um, but, you know, a commercial is controversial. Wow. Okay, yeah. well. Well, we can find controversy in anything. We're Americans, yes. right, Dr. <laughs> All right, so um, we're coming to the end of our time together today. Is there anything that you guys want to add or touch on that um, we haven't um, explored today? Tons. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but no, thank you. Okay, thank no, you thank you. Thank you both. No, yeah. no, we appreciate you both being here um, and speaking into these topics. You're making all of us a little bit smarter about the world we live in. We truly appreciate your perspective and your willingness to share with us because you genuinely don't have to. Thank you so sure. much. Thank you. All. Right. All right. Have an amazing day. Yeah. Thanks. Thank Thanks. You. Thanks. Thank you.